From Bristol, UK, I'm Pommy Harmer. And I'm Melissa Shamam, and this is The Quarantini. As we dip in and out of lockdowns, we're bringing you this podcast to keep your spirits up. Every episode, we bring you a mix of ingenious responses to the virus, an in-depth interview, and maybe a dash of the unexpected. This is a song by the Old Bone Collective, Hot Flu, thanks to Seb Gutierrez for letting us using it. Hello and welcome back. Coming up in the show, we have an interview with three women who make it their business to make natural history documentaries. We have our usual roundup and music this week includes the very special Jackie Weaver, Remember her from Hanforth Parish Council? Well, she's now got her own song. More of that later, but first, dear listeners, you may have noticed I'm here on my own. My dearest co-host, Melissa, is away, out of the country, and poorly. But don't despair, she sent me a message to play for you. Here she is. Hello, Pommy. Hello, everyone. It's Melissa. I'm in Paris this week. Uh, unfortunately, not to have fun, but... um because I had to see my mother, she had a little health problem. It was a bit difficult to travel, and as soon as I arrived, I caught some like very bad sore throat, and I think I have just a little virus, which is not the COVID-19, but this makes it very difficult for me to speak, as you may hear. I just want to send a little hello from the other side of the channel and just describe the situation here. It was quite difficult to travel. I had to get special permission from the hospital where my mum was in order to get into France and, of course, uh, take a COVID test. I'm going to do another one tomorrow. And here the country is not in confinement but kind of should be, so there's a huge debate about the current strategy with the curfew at 6 p.m., in a city like Paris and the suburbs, it's extremely hard to keep your distance. And people are still in transport, so we're very, we're very much close to each other all the time, walking down the streets. Everyone is wearing a mask, but it feels like they could do much more to stay at home or avoid crowds. And the Prime Minister might announce that they have to confine some extra cities over the weekend, including Paris. You already have Nice in the southeast and Dunkirk in the north are closing up for weekends. So the situation here is really, really the reverse of the United Kingdom. France is really late in terms of vaccination. For months, polls suggested that French people were not in favour of vaccinations and the government didn't buy enough vaccine and the EU didn't secure enough vaccine either, so... Yeah, it feels like what started really badly for Britain is now entering a phase of recovery. While here, it's totally a different issue. But, of course, it's good to see family. 
and um, to see if everyone is fine. I mean, I know tons of people in France who have had COVID now, much more than in England. But um, yeah, let's hope the summer brings us more peace to us all. Cheers, guys. Oh, so sorry you're unwell, Melissa. We wish you and your mum a very speedy recovery and you a very safe journey back to Bristol. And now it's time for our interview. Now, these days, interviews are done all over Zoom, as we know, but interviewing just one person at a time seemed a bit mean. So this week, we give you three, and they're in all different countries across the world. In 2019, a new festival about nature took place. Only this time, it focused on women working in the film and TV documentary field, and it was called Nature Through Her Eyes. From this, a four-part documentary series has been made, which is being launched on International Women's Day, 8th of March. I met up with three women involved in the festival, including Jacqueline Farmer, a film producer and director, and Gail Jenkins, a director of photography. But I first spoke to Emma Tyrell, the festival director, to find out how it came about. It was an idea from Jacqueline Farmer in regards to an event celebrating women's roles and storytelling about nature and the environment. I've got a tremendous empathy for people and subjects that may not necessarily have a voice of their own, which usually are animals. And the festival just really appealed to me, just fell in love with the concept straight away and we just hit it off. And we just brought together such a wealth of amazing women from all over the world in all different aspects of nature. So not, not just filmmaking, we had poets, we had philosophers, we had scientists, we had conservationists from all different walks of life. So it was a really healthy new approach to um, voices in natural history filmmaking, which in times gone by, unfortunately, has had a reputation of being, um, you know, white privileged male type voices. So this was an, an amazing opportunity to get involved and I've been heavily involved ever since. Jacqueline Farmer, you were the festival director. Tell tell us what especially excited you about this festival. Well, it was it was a bit of a first, I, I think. Really, it started out during a conversation with a friend of mine who's a war photographer about what the lack of women in the field in his work as a war photographer and my work as a as a wildlife filmmaker meant in in terms of what the public were were seeing what was being portrayed to them what kind of nature what kind of natural world was being portrayed to them and what, and what, and what kind of war stories were, were, were being portrayed to them and you know we decided that there was this terrible bias just from from the fact that uh, most of the natural history stories were being told and lensed by guys and you know they tell some some great stories but it's just the whole sort of take on that was rather unbalanced so we decided it would be a good idea to get a lot of the women because there are women who've been working in the field for years to just kind of bring everyone together and talk about what's great about the work that we do to look at some of the great films that have been made by women but also to discuss you know what what are the problems in the field why aren't there more women what are what are the problems that the women who are in the field have faced why what can we do to try and solve those problems together as women? 
Now, turning to you, Gail, Gail Jenkinson, you've worked as a director of photography and a camera woman in a very male-dominated world. How is that for you? Just give us a little flavour. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it is, it is a very male-dominated world. And I'm always the only female, as I am right now, on a job of six men. Uh, you know, I'm the only woman here. It's all, I'm always the only woman. I've been all my career kind of thing. So it was very nice to be amongst other women that are always also the only other woman on their shoots. What's it like being the only woman? I mean, it's not a big deal to me, actually. I can, I can quite enjoy it, but I'm very aware of it. And I'm very aware that, you know, I'm filming something that's being taken into people's homes and people are watching on their screens. And that quite often that vision is a, a male gathered experience and view uh, and that it's would be interesting if we could see that from different perspectives of society. To get a little bit more diversity into the mix. Absolutely, which is, I mean, it is a very, a very undiverse field. Moving on to the series that you're making, it airs, I understand, Emma, on International Women's Day. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect. It's, um, it's a really exciting series and it came about from the interviews that we did at the festival the interviews were so powerful and what the women had to say was so was so moving and so influential. There was no way that we could just leave it there. So we're quite proud of it. It's definitely a groundbreaking series. It's never been done before. It highlights the contributions of female cinematographers, writers, photographers to the natural history genre, all different age groups. That's another thing as well. It isn't just about focusing on gender. It's age groups as well. That's a really big uh, thing for me about people returning to work. And we were lucky enough to interview Anne Dagg, who is, should be 88 now, who was the world's first animal specialist straight researcher on giraffes. And her books were renowned and still are. But this is a long time before Jane Goodall. And she was never recognised in the industry. And she actually became a female activist after that. We also interviewed Zakiya McKenzie, who is from our very own lovely Bristol. Tell us more about her. Yeah, well, she she's a, I mean, A, she was amazing to interview. and She had a lot of wonderful things to say, but also she's pretty groundbreaking. She was Forestry England's first woman of colour as their writer in residence. Now, episode one is all about the call of the wild. It's what inspires you all to do the things you do. And uh, what you've put in it, which I find is a really striking and perhaps rather sad thing to say, nature is a place for women too, and it's important that they claim this space. Tell me what you meant by that. One of the pivotal people in episode one is this great lady called Faith Briggs, who's a Black American. And she gave our keynote speech at the festival. And she talks a lot in episode one about how in the past, the outdoors was not seen as a place for women to be. And she says, you know, either women weren't safe or they weren't strong enough, or there was just always some reason. It was kind of okay for the women to do like the botany drawings, she says, but it wasn't okay for them to be out in these big, wide open spaces. And so I think all women have have, have probably struggled with that, although that, that's possibly kind of changing now. I think women of colour have particularly struggled with, with that question, that the you know, nature. I mean, Zakia talks about it, Zakia McKenzie. She says, you know, what what is the public transport service that takes you to a national park in the UK? How many bus stops are there? 
outside national parks in the UK. So that already means that you can go to that space if you have a car. It means that a lot of people really don't have access. And Zakia herself, you know, struggled with that. She's a single mum. She's a poet. So that episode is all, all about the fact that a lot of women have had this kind of awakening in childhood to, to nature and wild places, but the struggles that they've been faced with and had to try and overcome to be allowed to be permitted by society to go into the wild and be able to do their thing in the wild, be it running, be it filming, be it writing or taking photographs, and and to be able to express that relationship that they have with nature and, and wild spaces. Gail, do you think women tell stories about nature differently? If we substituted all the teams, the directors, the producers, the technical teams and the presenters with women, would we get something very different? I think eventually we would. We need to be kind of brave enough to tell our own stories. You know, that we've been used to kind of telling the story from the male perspective because that's what we've heard also. So I think what would be amazing is if after a little bit of time that we felt empowered enough to tell our own stories, that then would, with some sharing and some time and some freedom to be able to do that, I think that would create some different stories you know, that you could go off on the tangent that you want to go on without fear of, well, it's not normally done this way. Uh, and people quite like to stay with safety, don't they? You retweeted a tweet from Dr. Sally LePage, who is an environmental botanist and is a presenter of, about science on YouTube. She says, I haven't been able to stop thinking about the lack of women on BBC Springwatch. How does no one realise that every single camera operator is male? How does it not come in, up in meetings that you have no female guests in the entire first week of the show? No surprise over here. That was my comment. <laughs> because it isn't a surprise to me. You know, and feature films have picked up this, you know, and Oscars and BAFTAs. And, you know, it's all well known that, you know, there's not many female directors in, in all genres, really. But, you know, natural history is just as, just as bad, and I would say even worse in that, in that way. Quite, quite a lot of women who've spoken about having their stories suppressed, you know, in a production meeting. No one listens to them. And there's also this thing of what Gail was talking about, the sort of perpetuation of stuff that's worked in the past so it's it's not necessarily the guy's faults, but it, at some level of decision making, they're like, well, this style of programming worked, so let's just do it again because you know there's a bunch of money involved and we don't want to take any risks. Risks being, you know, the way a, a, a woman might tell a story, or having a bunch of women on the crew going into an unsafe place, or you know, a place where they might have to carry a bunch of gear, you know, and I think. It, it's changing a little bit. Certainly, I myself had very little support from women above me. I think that is not true of the women who are in a certain place of, of, of their careers. And I saw that in the festival. All the women who are, you know, had sort of made it to a fairly comfortable pace within their careers are, are doing everything they can to help young women coming up through the ranks. And that's that's a really great thing to see. And certainly the young women who are starting off I mean it's it's there are still a lot of obstacles to 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 be overcome but I think there's a much bigger support network in there for them and and they're strong and and they know what they want and they're good 
we're in an age of mass extinction and in the last 30 years we've lost some crazy percentage of, of nature and things have to change and if it's the same voices telling those stories nothing's going to change and it's time to give women more of an equal playing field to change those stories and to change the outcomes and I had a conversation with um, an African filmmaker a few weeks ago and you know, he said to me, it's time now, it's time for us to have these brave conversations where in the past we were too scared to say anything because you'd be seen as trouble or an activist or this and that. When actually, I'm part of the Filmmakers Forum here in Bristol, and it's just phenomenal. In the last week alone, there's all these surveys and all of these amazing conversations taking place where we're looking at what audiences are ready to see and ready to hear now. It's not based on assumptions anymore. It's what people really want to see. And you look at the success of The Octopus Teacher and other nature films that are a bit more hard-hitting, a bit more compassionate. We can have our own empathy towards those shows. It isn't just, oh, what a lovely-looking area and what a lovely-looking polar bear. There's a story behind it now. I find astonishing today when you look at the credits of films that are shot in Africa or shot in India or shot in the Philippines today, and you just see a bunch of English names on those films. And that really has to change. We can't go flying into all those places, you know, land, shoot for a couple of weeks and and leave again. You know, that is just, that just can't happen anymore. We've spent no time training local people on camera, teaching them to dive, or we, we really haven't done any of that. I do think that it is interesting the, the way that the women's movement always brings an opening up to a lot of other minorities in its wake. That's really important too. And the whole conservation issue, as, as Emma was saying, is, you know, we know that women are good at conservation. I think just on the back end of what Jay Jacqueline was saying about um, about other countries and filming locally, that's one good outcome from COVID. It forced people to use local film companies because the shoots had to go ahead and there were last minute trainings for local people. So for me, that was one positive. I'm doing a series at the moment. They obviously need experts. So, for example, Gail would be a DOP that would still go out to look after the shoot. But ultimately, all of the crew are all local and that was a shift with the production company I'm working with just because of COVID like literally all the staff are local South Americans and you know their families are getting involved and that's one really good thing about COVID it has forced an issue that we've been talking about for a long time and it's a lesser carbon footprint as well you know we're not sending huge crews overseas so it's great for budgets because budgets are getting lesser and lesser now it always comes down to money Thank you all so much for talking to me today. It's been absolutely fabulous to hear your different stories and uh, to hear what, what it's like for women in the industry and the film industry and particularly around nature and what you want to happen. And I'm pretty sure with you three in charge, it will happen. Thanks so much to Emma Tyrell in Bristol, Jacqueline Farmer in France and Gail Jenkinson somewhere in the Caribbean. You can watch the documentary Nature Through Her Eyes on Curiosity Stream, a platform that specialises in documentaries.
kicking off our roundup in this episode, that was the Fijian rugby team singing a thank you to the hotel staff who looked after them for 14 days while they were in quarantine before their match against New South Wales in Australia. They each sang from their individual bedroom windows looking out over a courtyard. Imagine being a guest in that hotel. Well, imagine being a guest in any hotel for that matter. Now, in the last episode, we talked about museums and how an army of staff are needed to keep the exhibits in tip-top condition. But now they're turning their attention to how they will commemorate coronavirus. The Science Museum has obtained the first ever vaccine given in the UK to 90-year-old Margaret Keenan on the 8th of December. And in that case, the vial itself had to be fished out of a bin. So what would you put in the museum? How about a large number of gin distilleries that turned their hand to producing gin hand sanitizer? 58's version was one of the first objects collected by the Museum of London. And I guess we're going to see a lot of PPE, rainbows and masks. But it's not all objects relating to the health side of the virus. They've also collected stickers, posters and flyers made by Chinese students who in February 2020 went on an anti-racism protest march in Trafalgar Square, organised by the Chinese Against Racist Virus Movement, fighting back against the stigmatisation that came in the wake of the spread of coronavirus. Turning our attention to Northern Ireland now, did any of you see the pigeon rescue? This was in the middle of a government briefing at Stormont, no less, where a man joining the meeting by Zoom had to stop proceedings to deal with a pigeon that had flown into his room. And want to know what his name was? Oh, you couldn't write this. Colin Pigeon. Colin Pigeon had to get rid of a pigeon. You can see it all on ITV News. And finally, community fridges are popping up in cities all over the US, mainly because of COVID, as it's estimated that one in six Americans have gone hungry in 2020. The community fridge movement, though, has been around for years and they are different to our food banks in that they are managed entirely by local communities that need them the most rather than charity-run food banks who control who gets what. So they're there on a street corner. You can literally just go in, take out what you need or put in what you want to put in. Now, the beginnings of the community fridge movement are often credited to European food sharing initiatives like the Food Share Programme, which started in Berlin in Germany in 2014. And what began as an anti-food waste movement quickly expanded. Fridge is an example of an international network who say community fridges are on every continent except Antarctica. And now for something completely different. Have you read the standing orders? Have you read and understood them? No authority here. Remember Jackie Weaver from Handforth Parish Council? Well, her words have been immortalised in a new track by a band called Hellophonics. Otherwise known as Helen Meissner, she tagged Jackie in a tweet suggesting the idea of a fun track, and Jackie said yes. Helen says she's never attempted anything like this before and within five days of talking about it, they'd finished the track. This reminds me of our podcast. Proceeds from the sale of the track go to a charity called Make a Change, which is all about encouraging greater diversity and more accurate representation in local councils. Jackie really wants to expand the number of people who take part in these meetings. 
So Helen's husband is a singer called Joe Rose. He was roped in to perform all the remaining catchphrases. And what she particularly likes about this and what I like about this is that everybody involved is middle-aged. Jackie and Joe are both 62 and Helen Meisner is 54. So not one to let age stand in her way. Jackie Weaver gained her degree in person-centred counselling only three years ago. Joe is better known locally as a local accountant, John Froggett, and Helen didn't start making music till she turned 54 last summer. None of them like conforming to stereotypes and collaborating on this track has been a great fun, a smooth ride and a hugely positive experience. Here is Helephonics with Jackie Weaver's Kicked Him Out. No As long as we have, as long as we have reasonable behaviour, no one will be excluded from this meeting. If you disrupt this meeting, I will have to remove you. No authority here, Jackie Weaver. No you authority. What you're at talking all. about? Have you read the standing orders? Have you read and understood them? No authority <laughs> here, aren't. Jackie Weaver. Have no you read and understood them? No authority. <laughs> read here, and Jackie understand Weaver. them. Will oh. you please stop talking? Out. She's kicked him out. As long as we have, as long as we have reasonable behaviour, no one will out. be She's excluded from this meeting. I have indeed. Jackie Weaver's kicked him out. She's kicked him out. I have Where's indeed. Jackie if Weaver's you kicked him out. She's kicked him out. Where's the chairman? You. Will you make the change? Do you want to make a change? Can you help us make the change? Want to help? Are you the change? Will you make the change? Do you want to make the change? Can you help us make the change? Yes, you can be the change. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. No authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. That's it for the quarantine this week. We'll be back next time with a new cocktail of ideas, music and positive news for you all. We'd really love to hear from you and you can get hold of us by emailing us at thequarantinipodcast at gmail.com and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer, and Melissa Shaman will be back with me in the next episode. I will remove you. Thanks for listening and stay safe. I will remove you. Please refer to me from now on as Brittany. Brittany Spears, refer to me from now on as Brittany. <laughs>